Can I can I can I kick the show off as Borat, please? No. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Uh, hello, welcome to a Restoration Podcast. We are back today to talk about the tools that are very rusty and you will like very much. We have a special guest today. It is the upstate tool guy. He is uh, very crazy. You will see. Oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> hi, fellas. I, I don't even know how to say hi. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Dave, you're you're uh, going to be okay now? Get it all out? I feel better. Okay. Fellas, how are we doing? Welcome back. How's everybody doing? Very doing good. Well. Hey, Dave. Right. Hey, Evan. Hey, who do we have with us? This is Upstate Tool Guy on Instagram, a.k.a. Zach. Zach, how's it going, brother? Good. How are you guys doing? We are well. Great to have you on the show, man. Yeah, yep. thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. New York repping 50-50 tonight. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle these odds. Pennsylvania takeover is usually our thing. No. Yeah, I'm yeah. done with that. We're equal now. It's all good. Yeah, it's fine. Didn't you say you were originally a Pennsylvanian? Uh, yeah, my wife and I moved uh, up to upstate New York from Philadelphia. So uh, I got got a little bit of both sides in me. Two one five in the house, baby. Representing. All right. Now, Zach, you're upstate tool guy, um, but to anybody who's not in New York City, everything is upstate. So where in New York are you? Exactly. And that's kind of why I just titled it upstate, because I'm, I'm actually not really upstate. I'm like central New York. But something about Central New York Tool Guy didn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> so, no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, I'm in Rochester, New York, right outside. Um, Rochester. Right, yeah, right up on Lake Ontario. So. You right on the water? Not right on the water. We're a couple streets back. Oh, man, that yeah. lake effect. Yeah. A couple streets off the water. Oh, yeah, it's, it's real windy and icy and terrible in the winter. But we can walk to the beaches in the summer. It's pretty nice. So, so everybody else in the in the country, when you uh, see the poor guy on the news that's like using a snowblower to throw it like 13 feet up in the air so that his sidewalk is clear, that's Zach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Is Rochester and I I don't really know Rochester too well, but is that an old manufacturing town? Is there a lot of like old rusty gold hiding in crevices in that place? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely old manufacturing town. Uh, it kind of spilled over from Buffalo, New York. Was huge. They had tons of steel and um like buffalo forge sure buffco yeah that was a big one for the type of stuff we're into but um yeah there's, there's a bunch of stuff in rochester uh i've actually been into uh union machinist toolboxes oak uh toolboxes they were made uh in rochester and no kidding uh, very nice yeah you can find them pretty much anywhere so i'm familiar with them yeah yeah. So, um, Evan, before we get into it, tell our friends uh, on uh, out in out in podcast land how they can get a hold of us if they have any questions or anything for us. Yeah, guys, remember uh, that you can always hit us up on our Instagram at the Restoration Podcast, as well as if you want to send us an email with a question or a comment or any um, anything else, you can send it to our email, which is the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. 
And like we said, we have Zach on the show today, Upstate Tool Guy. We're very uh, happy to have him on here. You know, we, we like bringing people on that and share their love for tools and restoration and, and fixing up things. Um, so, Zach, uh, first question here is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what what's your thing? What makes you tick? What What's, uh, what's your go-to thing tool-wise? Oh, geez. I, I feel like that's changing constantly. You know, I kind of – I get obsessed with things in, like, short bursts and then – eventually circle back to them right now i've been kind of obsessed with like uh turn of the last century tools like flat belt and uh stuff like that my man Mm -hmm. um i just i just finished uh late 1800s drill press hg burr uh company i can't really find much about it but it was a old flat flat belt that was converted into an electric drill press uh, at some point Uh, i restored it to the electric drill press, but I'd like to take it back to flat belt at some point. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Flat belt, flat belts are, are really, really cool. I, I, I love the way they, they work. Um, so, I mean, like you said, you, you kind of go through a, a progression, I guess, and you come back to things as they, as they interest you. But um, yeah. as a whole, like, do you go through all different time periods of tools or do you like to stick to a certain era or what, what is it? Um, yeah, I, would, I definitely say I'm like a late 1800s to 1950s, 60s guy. Okay, so like the early, that, uh, earlier style yeah. there. Yeah, I like that that kind of very stuff. Cool. Just the very mechanical, um, you can kind of see how it works by looking at it type of tool, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I like. That restoration is absolutely stunning. The, by the way, folks listening, the reason we wanted Zach on the show, and we mostly find people from Instagram, Zach's an excellent photographer, and I, I asked him this morning if he was, or earlier, if he was like a photographer by trade or what kind of camera he was using, shooting incredible photos off of, are you using iPhone? Just to tell, what, are you, what kind of phone are you running? Yeah, it's a, just a regular old iPhone, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely stunning photos. I mean, we we all like the same kind of stuff, but the way that Zach presents his stuff on his Instagram is really interesting, really, very visually interesting. Be sure you check him out, up Upstate Tool Guy on Instagram. But yeah, that that restoration was was stellar. What um, I love the black paint, and I was wondering what specifically, what kind of paint you wound up choosing for that restoration. Uh, that's just a Rust-Oleum oil-based black paint. Uh. Yeah, really yeah. simple. That's yeah. a, that's my favorite to use on the old on like cast iron and stuff. I just feel like it's I don't know. It is really durable and the, the I think the gloss looks good on a. It looks know. so good. It really does. The oil base. So you you you're hand painting that on. Yeah. Yeah. Just with a brush. I like it. it smooths right out and you really can't see uh, any brush strokes or anything. Now do you, do you prime beforehand? Uh. Sometimes I do when I'm able. Uh, if it's not too crazy of a part, or it depends on how how far. If I take it down to bare casting, then I will. Uh, I'll, I'll prime and then paint. You know, do it the right way. But w- with that drill press, it was actually Japan. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when I put the paint stripper on there, that was just a, that was an absolute mess. <laughs> it was oozing off of it and it was disgusting and i i couldn't get it all off I, and i wasn't going to put another layer of the 
paint stripper on it because it was just it was awful. So have, that I just did it. Have you ever I considered just, uh, Japaning yourself? I you know I I thought about it, but I I've seen uh, Hand Tool Rescue. I kind of dive into it, and I'm like, that's that's too much for me. I don't know. I'm like a full size oven for anything the size of machine or tool that like a lot of us are interested in. Like you, you're not. out of the question, obviously. But. <laughs> Such a cool process, though. I like the idea of it, but it's just yeah. You're not including a uh, a walk-in oven in your new uh, blacksmith shop. Probably not this round. No. <laughs> uh, I'm always pretty limited on space, so. Tell, tell me about that, though. That you, you just started, right? You just started putting this in the backyard? Is it attached to the house? It is not. No, it's a, a completely freestanding. I want to be able to take it down, move it, or whatever I need. So uh, it's just a freestanding structure. It's four by fours. With, uh, it's going to have a fire-resistant canvas on the outside. So really rustic. Uh, nice. Just a metal roof. Uh, nothing special. So you uh, in... I'm sorry. You recently posted some photos of your Buffalo Forge Company. Just, I guess that's a rivet forge. Is that what that is? That little little fella? Yeah, it's just a little guy. It's a cast cast pan. I, I really don't know all, all the terminology. Yeah, well, the rivet forge. Uh, you know, like guys up and up. You know, you bring that up with you to the in the skyscraper to put the rivets in. But um, stunning restoration, man. I the way you do. I don't know what what are you doing for your lettering. The way so when you get on when you get on Zach's Instagram page when he he does lettering it looks like it came from the factory. Usually when I like you know paint my letters on on a raised letter it looks like like a child. special education child painted it on there with a crayon. <laughs> Yours look like they came right out of the factory. Uh, I guess Remember I just that. have a special patience for that type of thing. It's just like a oil based paint marker is all I'm using. Okay, uh, and it's I the same thing I use. Yep. Yeah. And, and David, if you want to look up patience, you go to google.com and type in P-A-T-Y. I do most of my lettering in crayon that I've already partially eaten. So, yeah. That's honestly like one of my favorite parts of it because it means I'm almost done. Yeah, it's the finishing touch. Yeah. 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 Looks so good. And even some of the vices that I haven't like restored or anything I, I still will do the lettering so it's kind of ugly underneath but then i just love the way that the lettering will pop yeah, it just, just makes it pop and you can see it from a mile away and yep. yeah and it's nice yeah vices are my my go-to and that's that's my thing so we, we could talk about vices all day but i've i've had to limit myself because this isn't the vice podcast this is the restoration podcast so that might be a good podcast idea yeah talk about vices all the time yeah see you guys i'm out i'm doing a vice <laughs> podcast now Oh God. God! I just broke up the band. No. What What is your favorite What is your favorite tool for restoration? Do you have a go to like? What are I? I'll ask you that. What's your very favorite? But like, what are the, your like top five most indispensable restoration tools at your disposal? Oh, uh, probably wire brush. That's a uh, whether it's on the uh, bench grinder or uh, chucked into a drill. That's probably what I use the most. It's not my favorite part, that's for sure, but mm-hmm. probably definitely using that the most. Um, with this older stuff, I've been using, I mean, it might sound silly in, like, today's modern terms, but, like, I've been using alligator wrenches and stuff like that, and I just find they work 
awesome on this old stuff. I mean, I guess that's what it's made for, but yeah, all the square headed nuts and bolts. Yeah. 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 Do you have anything? Is there anything else that you can think of that you like can't live without? Like when it comes to doing a restoration job? Mm. Well, I've recently just started using a lot of uh, vinegar or uh, Vaporust and that kind of stuff um, when you can't get into the wire wheel, like the, the nooks and crannies of the wire wheel. But, sure. um, yeah, great so products like, there. Yeah, that those types yeah. of things. Um, so it looks like you've done quite a quite a bit of, uh, you know, working on tools and getting things back going again. Uh, so up until now, what, what's your, your favorite restoration that you've done? Ooh, I really like the bandsaw that I did. I did a Craftsman King Sealy, and I know they're like a really common bandsaw, and they're not really pretty or anything, and they're usually, you know, bolted to an ugly table or something like that. Right. Just, <laughs> they always are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You always see them on marketplace, just like thrown in a corner of a barn, you know, some bird poop on the top of it. But I, <laughs> I try to make it look like something completely different and I, I was going for better than new with that one okay but so yeah. every, every nut and bolt was touched i did bearings and all that stuff and that's motor great. was completely redone and that that one probably took me the longest and i'm looking at your pictures of that online right now what did you do for the labels were those new new labels the new stamp uh plates i mean no, actually, those were the original ones. Uh, oh, my goodness. I got really lucky with those because everything else on that bandsaw was just, it was covered in crud. And yeah. it was it was awful. But those had a layer of dust on them. And I thought for sure I was going to have to get them replaced or find replacements and probably spend more on those than the entire bandsaw. <laughs> but I just a little bit of soap and water, and they, they ended up looking like that. Wow, that's Very impressive. Cool. I thought those were going to be uh, our friend uh, King King Tutley. Maybe uh, oh, he does a great job. Factor. So oh, yeah. good. I, hey, might well, be, I, was, uh, I, like, I might be hitting him up though for uh, this uh, butterfly die filer that I'm currently working on. Nice. And uh, yeah, yeah. That this is this will probably top my favorite, just because it's such an oddball tool. So weird. They're me, elegant, yeah. though. I like them. Like I know. They, they're so simple, but oh, it's... I'm sorry. No, sorry about that. No, no, no. They have they have nice lines. Uh, yeah. I, we we were talking about this the other day. We both have the same machine, and uh, they're they're cool. I mean, I, there's something about them. Like I did I I had never seen a die filer before. I stumbled across one in the wild, and I was like. Man, for ten bucks, I gotta have it, like or whatever, like fifteen bucks. Ten bucks, there you go. All right. Yeah. Old machine shop closing down. Then you you got a great deal on yours too, didn't you? Yeah, it was. Uh, I got it the same time I got the forge. Actually, okay. um, I took a week off of work a couple weeks ago just because I had time, and you know, no one's going anywhere these days. So I had a little staycation, and I actually was able to find a little honey hole in Buffalo. Uh, guy has his own personal junkyard, and he had he had a, a friend of a friend post the forge on Marketplace, so right. it was kind of a convoluted way to get to it. But when I walked into the gate, he let me in. It's just the rusty gold everywhere. And oh my god! Gotta love finding those. That's awesome. Oh yeah, he had everything. Like he had 
five of everything. And I, I walked out of there with a forge and that that die filer. But yeah, cool. I picked the, the die filer was uh, thirty bucks, but nice. I thought I got a pretty good deal. That's yeah. a great deal. It's a steal. Deal and a half. Did it come and, with the um? Did it come yeah. with the upper support arm and structure? Yeah, came with everything. I was everything. really surprised. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like and, it, was go. Oh. it had been. He had said it had been sitting outside for like twenty years or something like that. Nice. But I I wired up the motor and it purred like a kitten. So that's incredible. Yeah, they run really. I don't know about yours. Mine runs really fast. Like I had, I did a little research about guys slowing them down with like um like resistors or something like that, so that you don't just burn the uh, the files out because they just they're just way too fast. Oh wow! No, I haven't even thought about it. I hadn't I haven't actually hooked it up. So I've, okay. I've ran the motor, but I haven't run it on the machine. Got you. Yeah, they, 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 um, the reciprocal action of that is, is incredibly fast, probably more than what you'd want to, would, would want to run. It's almost out of control. It feels oh. like when you use it. Um, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, with some resistors, or like, a, like a sliding circuit, like, you know, like a damp, like a lamp dimmer. I oh, get okay. tune it in a little bit. Potentiometer. Yeah. I don't know. What's yeah. That? Uh, like a dial potentiometer. Yeah. I don't know. What that, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like think think of like a volume switch on your stereo kind of. Yeah, I'm just being a jerk. That's no. the science, scientist over. Uh, uh, so that that's funny <laughs> that, that it runs too fast though. Wouldn't you wouldn't want to gear it down? Did you so you could change the speed mechanically and then you don't end up having to do. Because I, I worry with, like, the older motors, unless they're a variable sure. speed, then you're running them at the, a different RPM, and, and you're kind of going against what they were engineered for. So you could end up getting uh, bearing issues or, or shaft issues if you're running at a different speed. Sure. I, I mean, I guess you could probably rig up something with pulleys. I'm trying to remember exactly how it is set up. I think there's a pulley shaft on the exterior that is then pulleyed. There's a second pulley on the motor, just I guess, just like with anything else, duh. But um, yeah, I, I just remember it running super duper fast, and it just might, it might just be my machine, but I think I remember this has been many years at this point. There was some forums, people talking about efforts to slow them down, maybe possibly because they don't really make machine files anymore, or they're hard, they're more expensive or harder to come by. Yeah, and really you, hard to find. I'm finding. Yeah, you don't want to burn them out. If you have good ones, you know, try and save them. It's a little longer. Yeah, I found a couple companies that still make them. Really? $15 a piece. Yeah, Yeah, there's that. Yeah, burn out a $15 file in one shot. That's not too fun. No, no, it's lame. It seems like something like that would really benefit from speed control. For sure. Maybe that'll be a mod after I get it finished. That'd be nice. I've shot something across the room with it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Have we all right? Oh my god! Yeah. If I could have a monument to everything that's been stuck in a wall and had to been pulled out, you know, that'd be an art piece. Uh, yeah, that was, especially that was... with the Universal Woodworker. Yeah. yeah no, that's just gonna be body parts. <laughs> Your yeah. Hey, look, it's my arm stuck to the wall. <laughs> I got you with story. Sweater. Story about that. I, and in high school, um, I I talked about the uh, the. I mean, we were talking about saw stops on our last interview. Um, they finally got one, but when I was there, they were using that the beautiful uh, Oliver table saw. And my teacher had always done demonstrations on uh, 
how to not have a kickback on the table saw when he, when he was doing the, the lesson for the table saw. And he has a fire extinguisher that's right next to the door that's right behind this table saw. And the, the fire extinguisher has a dent in it because somebody had a kickback and it shot it back that hard that it dented the fire extinguisher. And he, he doesn't let maintenance take it because it's, it's a valuable tool to show what can happen when, when you have a kickback on a, on a table saw that it, the table saw will not stop. It will throw your board across the room. <laughs> table saws yeah. are terrifying. Yes, they are. They're there's, great, but they, they're they scary. so wonderful out. to have. But yeah, every time, if you're not in the moment, man, you, you're done. Yeah, it's bad juju right there, for real. So Zach, you were you were talking about um, your the Craftsman bandsaw that you uh, restored, and you said you made that better than new. So you you went through every single thing. You did bearings. You 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 shined up all the nuts and bolts and everything. Put it back together. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how you normally go about doing your restorations, or do you like make an assessment when you get something? Well, you're like, hey, I'll, I'll leave this um, the way it is, or do you always want to go through it and and get it better than new? Oh no, it's definitely like case by case. And sometimes if if you don't have to put yourself through the headache of doing something like like bearings and stuff like that and something that's you know decent, then I don't touch it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just case by case. Yeah, if if something doesn't have to be done, if it work, if it functions just fine, then then I'll let it. I'll let it go. Are most of your restorations to be used in your shop, or are you restoring uh, to upsell, or is it um, is it something else? Well, I, I guess I, I start off by thinking like, oh yeah, maybe I'll sell this for a profit, get some more stuff, but I I don't think I've sold anything. Um, <laughs> think he's so cool it's hard to do it I, I i can completely relate to that so, so like you're on your 15th time of i'm i'm buying this to sell but it never happens and it's it's all it stays in the shop so that, that, that happened this morning i was at the flea market this morning and i uh, i bought a, a a few stair items and i'm like well i have like three of these i'm gonna throw them up on ebay tonight or so and i don't i probably won't you know <laughs> they'll, they'll sit in a drawer zach and, zach how old are you I'm 31. You got plenty of time, man. By the time we're all old, we're gonna have houses full of stuff. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I'm 32. These guys are. What are you? Evan's a little younger than me, and James got a couple years on all of us. But I mean, we've got plenty of time to to, to establish our five of everything in the house, like your like your fella in Buffalo. You know how great's oh, that gonna be? Oh, and that guy's. He's not even that. He was in his 50s. And I was so impressed. <laughs> He's been hard at it. That's good. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so Zach, tell us about your your space. If you're not selling anything, you mean you're you're a pretty consistent content poster. I only assume one wall of your your shop is just plastered in license plates, and you've got oh. uh, <laughs> just toolbox after toolbox of all these littles and hand tools. Because man, you got a lot of cool little stuff. And if you're not selling it, it's going somewhere. Oh, the the shop is closing in more and more every day. It's uh yeah, finding space for stuff is starting to get to be a bit of an issue. What's your what's your space? Is it a garage? Is it a basement? Uh so it's uh it's kind of a weird space. It's a one car garage, but behind the one car garage is a shop. And then off of that shop is there's another room. Like it steps down and there's another room. Okay. Um so it's kind of a, a weird design that it was all built in uh, 1919 so it's kind cool. of like and then there's been additions and then addition 
So it's yeah, it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge at this point. But um, yeah, the main the main space is like kind of off off the one car garage. So gotcha. So there is a car in it right now, which might be going because, like I said, I've been going down rabbit holes and stuff, and woodworking <laughs> is starting to inter- interest me. So yeah. you gotta go. make <laughs> go. <laughs> gotta make room for some uh, some woodworking stuff. And I a, un- a universal woodworker. Uh, yeah, I could Yeah, I, James I like got that. like seven of them. If you want one, I'll just give you one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I inherited a lot of my uh, grandfather's tool, tools, and he was a woodworker. Okay, very cool. And I spent just about my entire childhood in his wood shop, as they he lived right next door to my parents. Okay, and great. Kind of grew up in that environment. Yeah, I, I've been in a shop my entire life. Um, That's cool as shit. Oh, not supposed to use the cusss. Try that again, Dave. It was as cool as what? That was so cool. That, that, <sighs> That's so cool, man. That's really awesome. We're I think we're all kind of envious of that. Uh, yeah, it was between my my parents bought a house from 1860 that was that it was completely run down. So I I've, I've lived in a construction zone or in a shop my entire life. So you've been surrounded by house restorations, and now you're doing tool restorations. And yep. And soon Dave's going to send you some of his extra power wagon stuff, and you'll do vehicle <laughs> restorations. Because you can get a vehicle. I was about to congratulate you. I will. 31 years old, and you have room for a vehicle in your garage? Good good on you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking I mean, of vehicles, speaking of vehicles, I, I know you you seem to be very interested in old license plates. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get into that? They, they chuck yeah. them across the, the, the lake there. No, yeah. <laughs> We got a bunch um, from Canada. A lot of cool yeah, so, I'm really close, so it's you, I do find a lot from Canada here. But uh, yeah, I the well that was another thing. It's just another rabbit hole I went down. I probably haven't bought a license plate in two years. Okay. Um, I just I just got really into them and bought up every single one I found and yeah. ran out of space. There's no more room in the rafters. So. Cool. I got you. So do you, you have you have a cool like display of them someplace in your in your space? They're kind of yeah, they're plastered over any vacant surface on on the wall. Love it. That's awesome, dude. And they they line all the rafters and stuff. So and they're in drawers and they're kind of everywhere. But cool. Yeah, so, I've always been interested in like the old automobilia stuff. So that was that was something I could obtain when I was younger, and. Just kind of got hooked on it. I I always see license plates for sale, and I mean, I, I guess I just haven't been you know bitten by that bug. And I'm like, you know, I I always I see people that have license plates all over their shop, or you know, they have them stacked up, or they they try to get uh, you know one from every state kind of thing. And yeah. I was just like, I, I never I never understood that, but it it's uh, it's a hobby just like anything else. You know, you you try to find you know you're you're missing one from your collection or i know some of them they go after the um the oldest one they try to find you know very vintage models of license plates and and they're they're really cool the amount of like you'd think how how many different license plates can you can you get out there but there are so many different kinds and shapes and sizes and they're they're really cool actually Um, there's a lot of states where if you have an antique vehicle you can put an antique plate on it from the year that the vehicle was made or, or from some time and it's 
general vicinity, which I thought was so cool. I don't think Pennsylvania's one. I could be dead wrong about that, but you can do that in New York. I've had actually people contact me through the Instagram asking if I have this plate or that plate. I don't know. Need... Sell it, and most of the time I tell them I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I would go through <laughs> everything. But... Yeah, dig dig through the thousands of plates and sure. find the right one. You can pay me a fee to go and look for you. <laughs> yeah, there's a finder's fee in my own shop. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you ever seen the uh, the uh, the guys that make uh, fake vintage uh, furniture and they'll like artificially wear or paint and stress the um, cabinetry to make it look like it's old? And like the thing I I saw at some flea markets was they would use license plates as like little drawer fronts, so you'd have this you know, two-year-old uh, side table or whatever, and it would have license plates for the drawers. And you're just like, what What are you doing? You're combining this, like, new construction cheap wood with, like, fake aging techniques. And then you're like, oh, people like people like license plates. Let's just put those because that's going to, like, get more on there. So it's just, I like, slam them all it. together. It drives me nuts. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is such a weird rabbit hole, but you talking about license plates and what you would do with them besides putting them on a wall i'm like the only other thing i pe see people do is like make terrible furniture out of them drives to make crazy. good patch panels for sheet metal repair on old vehicles i've seen that <laughs> quite a bit oh yeah sure i've seen people line like the inside of rat rod doors yep mm -hmm. yep there my um i, I figure oh. that's just because that's somebody that they uh they took care of on the side of the road and they just ripped their license plate off and just <laughs> Yeah, what better way to cover up a giant rust hole in a uh, in a in a you know cab corner than just throw a giant throw a license plate on there and just a couple tack welds be done with it? Yeah, because it's new. Just just to continue down that rabbit hole a little bit, I call those fantiques. It's the fake antiques. I, they make me so mad because occasionally one will catch you if you're not really paying attention. You'd be like, oh whoa, look at that, and you're like, oh. Some jerk just took like you know steel wool and rubbed all the edges on it and then made it look old or whatever. I just and 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 occasionally there's like an entire booth at the antique store that's nothing but that reproduction crap. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Makes my stomach turn. I hate people, it. People send me messages sometimes. They're like, "Hey, how do you how do you make like old timey furniture for you know with your vintage machinery?" I'm like, "A, I, I use my vintage machinery to make stuff that works, not that's falling apart." And B. Yeah. I'm not gonna go. You know, you can go Google how to stress out wood. If you if you really want, you can send me your your dresser, and I'll leave it out for a winter in New York. And the snow will make it look like a piece of garbage, and then I'll yeah. send it back. You should tell them that you just make furniture, and then just to sit on it for a hundred years. That's right. Yeah. You know. What's your advice? Bury it in the ground. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I see all the time that I can't stand is the the tin signs that you find. You'll you'll see it like across. Across the field at a flea market, you're like, oh, that looks cool. And you walk over, and it's the printed on rust. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the brand new ones. Yeah. You yeah. can see the pixels when you look close. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zach, do you want to join us? I can edit this out, but I, we, we need to, we haven't talked about this on the, the Restoration podcast yet. What do you guys feel about the YouTubers that purposely like rust stuff and it's like bright orange just so they, they can restore it for YouTube points? You know, I don't think I've seen this yet. I've I've heard. Oh, you are you are oh. a pure man. And, and now that you know about safe. it, you're not gonna be able to unsee it. No, stay safe. You, your your internet isn't tainted with the ruins of restoration, like faking it. Oh my God, it hurts my heart. 
You know what even makes me like even worse than that? Like not even like real old things or potentially old things that have just been left out in the rain to make them look older. When I see a, like a video of like someone like taking like um since I always look for like auto restoration stuff as of late just because that's the mode I'm in, someone will take like a toy car and they'll just cover it in mud and they'll be like, oh, it's a Humvee RC car restoration. And they'll like start out the video like just hosing it off. And then they'll like <laughs> just pimp it out. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> my time on that, like, you. Ah! Oh my God. It drives me up a wall. And. And it's all for YouTube points because it literally looks like someone just like covered it in mulched, let it sit for a week, and then they're like, "Look at this! It's this rare all metal tractor. And I restored it." Like, oh my god, it was fun. But then you you always get the you always get the people in the comments being like, "Oh, this is amazing! Ten, eleven out of ten. I, I love it. <laughs> Fantastic work." There's some. I feel like there are a couple of them out there that will they will. Like a lot of like the Japanese or like not Japanese, a lot of like the Asian YouTube YouTubers, restoration dudes, they will literally take something brand new and they'll end the video with the brand new footage. You're like, oh, look how brand new and cool this, you know, this cup is. And then they'll start like the next clip or like the beginning of the video will be after they've started over and they've just distressed it. And, and is, that what we, is that what you're talking about? So like they'll have they'll something to buy like a brand new iPhone and be like, iPhone restoration and they'll like the end the end the end clip is it literally right out of the box and then before like then they'll like the video will actually start out with a brand new iPhone they've just covered in dirt and like you know used condoms and like kitty litter <laughs> like scrubbing it all off and they'll be like blah 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 and then like at some point it'll be like kind of clean and then they'll cut to the next scene and it'll be just like a picture of the new phone and be like oh wow but that's the end of the video when you're like it's restored it's brand new out of the box there you go. So the lesson is the internet lies to you. Don't trust anything. And Zach, I'm so happy that your internet out there in Rochester has not ruined restoration for you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I haven't seen any of this stuff yet. I've heard people talk about it. Yeah. But it hasn't come yeah, across my. I mean, now that we've talked about it, the internet is listening, and we'll. It'll pop up on my. Yeah, screen. it's gonna be every, everybody's feed. Give us likes and give us hearts and give us hate and give us comments and share with a hundred friends and definitely leave <laughs> us a review on Apple Tunes Podcast Google. <laughs> Use your words, sweetheart. All right, that was a rabbit hole. Sorry, uh, Zach. Are we recording? Are we still recording? <laughs> oh, we're. <laughs> Back to you, Zach. Um. One thing that uh, we like to do talking with our uh, guests is talk through either your most favorite or most memorable restoration project um, and then get the, the life story on that item and where it is now for something you kept, something you saved, uh, or something you sold. Do you have something that has the most meaning to you looking back on everything you've touched and, and worked on? Ooh, a lot of... There's a lot of sentimental stuff in my shop, just because I have a lot of my, I have a lot of my grandfather's tools, and I have a lot of my great grandfather's tools. Um, I was lucky enough to inherit a lot of those. Um, so I, I have a railroad tie anvil that my great grandfather made because he was into metalwork. He had a small machine shop, um, and and I was able to bring that back to usable condition, and it that's really cool it's just I, i'm kind of like that with all like family heirloom stuff i 
I really like that the sentimental stuff. So when I'm able to have that in the shop, it's really cool. Absolutely. Now, now with something sentimental like that, do you have a line uh, with its either condition or practicality? Do you continue to use it? Is there a line where you say this is so special, so rare, or in a certain form that you don't restore it because of that meaning? Or do you say it's a tool and I'll, I'll keep using it? Uh, I use everything. So I, I figured if it was good enough for my great-grandfather to use, I can still use it. Um, there's actually my grandfather used the same uh, Eastman hammer, the leather wrap handle hammer yep. that that you see everywhere but he, he used the same one his basically entire woodworking career he built his entire house with his hammer and it's got scars and there's paint on it and it's you know it's all scratched up and dented and the head is actually smaller now than like it originally was just because mm-hmm. of the use and and i haven't touched that i've left every nick and paint splatter and wear mark and everything because that's he worked hard to put those there so i i won't touch that that that's something that will stay but i use that hammer every day so i guess that's that's the line like i'll just i'll continue to use it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take away anything that he put into that that's awesome i love that that's so cool yeah these things are made to be used you know especially back then Oh yeah, they made stuff to last. Oh yeah, made stuff for hard use. Not like uh, the hammer was like the backup option for like five different power tools. That was like, that was the top, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was always hanging from his pants. But that's that that tool probably has the most memories to me, just because it it's been in my life my entire life, and it was in his life his entire life because he. He bought it when he was building his house, so sure. That's that's just something special. Ton of family memories in the handle of that tool. Very cool. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> we're all having we're all having a moment here. We're just kind of digesting what you just talked about. Yeah, that, that was, no, that was a, that was a cool story. <laughs> I, I really I really like you know the, those personal stories that yeah you have something. I mean, because you know, having something that has that much memory to it, because like um, I know. I have some of my grandfather's tools and I, I have those in my toolbox and, and, you know, I have the memories of those, but having something to where, like I, I inherited those. I, I didn't actually get to, you know, be around when he was using those or, or saw what he did with those, but having that, that memory where you can say, Hey, I was here, here and here. And I have, you know, all these memories with, uh, you know, remembering him using this specific thing. And now I have it. And, you know, it, it's just a it's a it's a great story to to share with others and I, I think that's one of the coolest things about uh, collecting old tools or or uh, inheriting them is that you, you have the story like sure you get to use them in your shop but you have the story and you get to share that with other people and that to me that's one of the coolest things that that comes out of this have you guys ever going down that rabbit hole have you guys ever found tools that have uh, a unique identifier to a history that you don't know like uh, really quick story. I, I went to a state sale and this lady was selling everything from her. Her husband was 90, his nineties when he passed and whole shop was up for dibs, uh, all super cheap. So I, I rounded up a whole bunch of things. I was like, Oh, this would be easy. Let's just knock the rust off of a whole bunch of stuff. 
came home and you know on each tool he marked his uh tool dad's not like dad but dad's like he had to say hey it's not yours it's mine it's dad's and so yeah. when i cleaned up all the tools like i never knew the guy i talked with the lady you know maybe 20 minutes while i was going through stuff but I, every time i cleaned up those tools i left the dad's part alone and you know that was before i became a dad now i am a dad so my kids are all going to see that thinking it's mine but to be honest like i'm just saving that because you know 90 something year old guy woodworker had dads written all over his stuff and i was like might as well carry that through so it was it was kind of unique that i left it alone and that that kind of stuff to me even when i'm using it i'll see those marks i think of that lady and the guy I never met and like, all right, his memories is still getting used in this tool, you know, so far down the chain. Sure. Yeah. I, I have that, that same, uh, very similar story is my, um, my craftsman mechanics toolbox that I have has, uh, belonged to a mechanic who had used this for his entire career and probably bought that toolbox new. And on the inside, you know, he had stickers and I'm sure he had places where he hung up pictures of his family because you can see like the marks of where things were that they removed some of them, um, but still taped to the inside of the lid. And I, I don't have uh, the heart to, to take it off and I, I never will is his um, trade school diploma. And oh, it's, wow. it's taped to the inside of the, of the lid. And, you know, he had used this for his entire career, went to trade school, graduated, and then was a mechanic for, you know, 40 years. And uh, it's just super cool. It's, it's kind of deteriorating and it's super dusty and you can see the, the history and the wear on it. But I, 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 that, will leave, that will stay there until it either falls off on its own accord or I pass it on to somebody else. Um, so that was, that was really cool to me. I like that. I always try and make an effort to do a little bit of detective work if I am with someone who's who's cooperative enough and cordial enough to kind of be open to that sort of thing. Like the one that really stands out for me, I bought uh, two lathes from this fella, and uh, they were his father's. And just to get the history, I, they didn't have any cool identifying marks or you know like what you had mentioned before. But you know to take the time to actually get that information, like the guy bought these these two lathes brand new as a recently um, discharged Marine after World War II, and the guy fought in the South Pacific as an infantry grunt, you know, going, doing island hopping. He come home and he worked in, um, you know, he got a, started working as a, uh, basically like as an undertaker. I think he was managing a few, like a, like a, like a cemetery of sorts. And he wound up building machinery to actually lower caskets into the ground. He built this entire, gantry crane rig that he towed behind his truck, you know, from nothing but, you know, tube stock. And he made all the shafts and all the parts on these lathes. And it was cool to get that information from the guy's son who worked his entire life with his father, who had recently passed away. And was this guy was still running this cemetery. And, uh, but it was cool. It's cool to get that information if people are willing to share it with you. And I think a lot of times they are, because I think people generally get especially with larger items there's some attachment to that it kind of reminds them of family and it makes them think about the said person who was giving this away and let's be honest a lot of times they're buying dead men's things and that's kind of strange but people want to talk about that and they want to share that so that story sort of lives on i think it's neat to to interview people when when you're able to to kind of get that background and it really makes a difference at least in how i feel about a tool for sure yeah for sure yeah yeah, I always try to get a little bit of a story. I always 
cry a little bit when I'm picking some, something up off Craigslist or you know, Facebook Marketplace or something like that because I, I do like the stories a lot. We uh, we should we should start something. We don't need to solve it now. Maybe we'll we'll ask the listeners for their feedback. But uh, we should try and coin a new phrase for that out of body thought when you're using an old tool and your head goes to thinking of what its predecessor was doing with that same tool. I have that feeling all the time. I got a bunch of tools from my grandpa, so I always thought, how could he have been using this? Because I didn't get, like like Evan said, I didn't get to see many of the tools that I inherited get used. I just knew they were my relatives. Um, so I always have this like out of, like I'm using wire brushes, like little stuff, hand saws, on what what were they using this for? I'm just thinking about it. when I use that guy's dad's tools and taking measurements, like what was this guy using day in and day out? And it's just this out of mind, out of body thought for a moment, just going, you know, thinking about some history you'll never quite know. And it just kind of feels that feeling is cool and weird. And then you snap back into it, go, all right, I need to make sure my hand doesn't end up in the table saw. But that momentary <laughs> thought that goes out to like this this unknown person we got to name that or coin that it's the it's the uh it's the workshop seance moment you know yeah <laughs> i don't know uh, I love that the tool board. yeah seriously dude I, I like that stuff though i mean i feel like that's kind of it's it's not like if you go to target or lowe's you know and go buy a, a new hammer or something like that there's no story associated with that it was some some little guy in a sweatshop making, you know, piece parts and trying to get by. And there's, that's, that's the only story of that tool, but it's neat when you pick up a, it's really like, it's almost like living history. I think not everybody's into that. I mean, there's lots of people that just want to be able to hang up a picture in their house and not care. But when your whole life is working, when, when the best, when one of the most enjoyable experiences in your life is spending time in a workshop, I think that it just, it, it really enhances that experience to be able to hold something that's got some, that's got a little bit of a journey behind it, you know? Yeah, well, sure. I, I have a, talking, but I'm feeling like I feel a little emotional about this. I, <laughs> I, I have a Delta drill press in my shop that's got Navy tags on it. And it's, oh, man. it's from World War II. And I, I think about that all the time. Like, where has this drill press been? It's like it's seen so much. It's been involved in a war effort. It's And then it's been passed along until I got it. It's like... Are you able to get um, any uh, registry numbers off of it? It it most more than likely was on a boat, which is so cool to think about. Yeah, yeah, and like a, a machine shop on the boat or something like that. Um, I I don't think there is any numbers on it, but uh, there might be. It would be fun to trace it back. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure I wouldn't how know how to do that. Yeah. 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 Some of those that, that, some of those some of those companies have historical societies that, that uh will give you like a build sheet or I mean maybe not for a drill press. Like I know my Dodge power wagon, I can look that up. I knew uh South Bend Lathes uh, offer a build sheet on a serial number. I think Bridgeport is the same way. Uh if you reach yeah. out to one of those companies that, yeah. that purchased those companies. Like um, a lot of times you see the ones that say uh, you know, property of the United States Navy and then it has like contract number and like 10, 10 number, like numbers for the contract on it. And you know, that hey, I'm sure they don't have the records of that anymore, but they probably, that order was for 500 drill presses and it was part of that contract and uh, sure. you know, delivered to the Navy. It would just be cool to have like that reference where you saw, Hey, yeah. here's like the order that this came from and, and a little bit of history from it. Yeah. 
I just looked it up and it, it does have a serial or it has a it says E B serial number. Electric and, boat. An electric, electric boat, boat, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's it. That was on a submarine. Yeah, so, no, no joke. I, I mean, there's another tangent we can go down. I'll, I'll try and keep it high level, but it is. If you guys want to go down a rabbit hole, you can do think it. Of just, just the amount of uh, the ability to be completely self-sustained out in the middle of the ocean. If something breaks on those massive boats, you have to have the ability to either go find it in inventory. So they do the whole study of what could break and store certain things, and then after that, if you got to make something. There's some guy who's, you know, classically trained to, you know, run a lathe, run a mill in the high seas. So you got to think about all of all of this, like, high machining with the ability to, like, rock and twist and pivot. And, like, your oil cans are sliding all over the place. And this guy's trying to get, like, 10 thou on a, on a bushing. Well, you know, uh, you're talking about that, let alone on a boat. When I went to uh, Baltimore Inner Harbor and went on the tour of... Uh, the submarine that's there, they have the a course. lathe. Yep. Yeah, yes. Yeah, they, they have a lathe in that submarine, and I could not imagine, you know, something breaks on the submarine, and hopefully you're on the surface, but if you're not, you're <laughs> under the water, and something's broken, and in order to get back to the surface, you need to fix that with that lathe right now. <laughs> and, the machine is made is up to his chest <laughs> in water, like... Time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear, like, people... When, when they talk about, like, war and they talk with veterans, a lot of people are like, oh, tell me about the trenches. Tell me about shooting guns. And all I want to know whenever I'm talking to guys that I'm picking up tools from is, were you guys ever stuck and you needed to make something? Because the jack of all trades, the I had nothing but being able to, like, tear apart my bunk and make a splice to, like, hold a pipe together – those are the best war stories. I don't want to hear about shooting people. I don't want to hear about like boot fungus. I want to hear about like how the guy, like you said, bring the submarine back to the surface, like be able to get home, be able to get the airplane to land again. Like all of those stories to me are so cool that they, they have so much resident knowledge and familiarity with their tools and what's around them that they can take any terrible situation that would put most people from this century on their ass and go, no, nah, no, I think there's something back in the kitchen. I can take that coffee, part of, coffee pot apart. You know, I could splice in a couple extra resistors and get this motor going again. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Cool that thing. is awesome. Some yeah, guy for action, yeah, to make things work. I love that. Well, oh. Zach, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for uh, coming on to this interview and, and sharing your, your knowledge and your passion with us. We, we really appreciate it. Um, oh, yeah. make sure Thanks yeah. For me on. Yeah. yeah make why don't you uh why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you and what you're up to uh, i'm i'm just on instagram it's upstate tool guy uh, i try to post pretty regularly i've been getting better about posting stories so i try to keep a few every day of what i'm doing because i'm in the shop every every night so fantastic awesome. yeah we really Enjoy. appreciate it make sure you go check him out upstate tool guy on instagram you know, he's got great posts, fantastic photography, and he, he's always up to something. And uh, he, he's he's part of this this community and and shares in the passion. And I'm I'm sure uh, if if you find anything uh, on his page, you can send him a message, and he'll he'll glad to tell you about it because uh, that's like why we like bringing people on here is to share their knowledge and share their passion. And um, he's certainly getting into the thick of it. So we really appreciate it, Zach. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, thank for you. Coming on. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, this is fun. Appreciate your uh, your time tonight. Absolutely. Any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? Uh, I'm just super happy that I didn't get outnumbered by some ridiculous Pennsylvanian uh, discussion. So again, <laughs> thank you. I uh, appreciate you. You're uh, picking the greatest white north. It's not uh, on the other side of the border. <laughs> yeah, just as much as get. <laughs> then oh. out there in listener land, make no. sure that. Let, let me ask. Let me ask. Let me ask. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stay on New York one more time. What is okay. your favorite? vintage new york uh tool to find do you have a company a uh, new york company that that you get the giggles for whenever you find it out in a, a pick uh, i i really love finding utica tools i don't know why but it's like it that was one of the first tool companies that i really associated with like oh this was made in new york and yeah that's really cool but uh yeah it probably has to be utica very uh, nice what kind of things did they make? Oh, wrenches, stuff like that. It's uh, okay. hand tools. Yeah. Gotcha. I like that. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right, Evan. Sorry, I cut you off, but I just yeah, no, no problem. I was just going to say that out of the, for the listeners, I said it in the beginning, but just uh, make sure that if you need to contact us, our Instagram is the Restoration Podcast, as well as you can send us an email, a question, or a comment to our uh, email, which is the Restoration Podcast at gmail dot com. And this has been the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Thanks for listening, guys. You guys are awesome. We love you. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 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 Actually, you don't actually have to leave. <laughs> no, no, no. How did that? How did that come about? The, the, the ending there. <laughs> Bye. Walking around. Yeah. Dave, yeah. I mean, Dave just started that. It was the first episode, and Dave was, I think, he was just super tired, and I think he had a couple too many drinks, and he was just. Oh. You know, he was going on and on, and at the end, he was just like, ah, bye. You know, the funny thing is, uh, me and a bunch of other grown men my age, that's how we say bye to each other all the time <laughs> at the firehouse okay. after hey, doing manly things for many hours. Like, bye. See ya. So. Yeah, that's just, that's just how he started. He He's the he's the crazy one of the group here. <laughs> what, what's that? Yeah. Thing? There's the... Uh, the, the sportscasters, there's the 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 analyst, and then there's the they don't call him the flavor guy. What, what the hell's the term for it, right? Flavor. The hype man. Was that the hype man? Uh no, there's another name for it. Like where he's just the passionate one that will just like be the one that jumps out of his seats and throws his headset across the room just to like get the reaction of the excitement. Just ah, uh, uh-huh. it's not hype man. Damn it! What there's a name. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not too big in sports ball. That's not really my thing. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, just <laughs> um, types of. Uh...
broadcast. That's you, right? You're the you're the you're the passionate one, right? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Uh, really fucking uh, look. All right. Look how much this bottle I killed tonight. I opened this bottle tonight. Good, <laughs> good lord, son. Well, that's problem, why, that's why he's acting weird. You don't realize how much is in there. I thought you were drinking coffee. Holy no, I was drinking. I was drinking this this straight. Good thing that you're at your mama's house. She can take care of you. No, 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 no. I'm home. I'm home now, and I have to go to work at 5.30 tomorrow morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, my wife. Excuse me, ma'am. Are you stuck in your car? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you on fire? You shouldn't do that. Captain, I don't know what to do. <laughs> now let All yourself right. down. I'm tired. <laughs> what were you saying, Zach? <laughs> I said my wife drinks it straight. I I don't drink it all. I I don't know how she does it. It all it all smells like paint thinner to me. Oh man. Well, it tastes <laughs> like delicious paint thinner, and um, paint thinner tastes just as well. I mean, it's all the same stuff. You gotta really get in touch with your with your solvents when you're in the shop. You know, you gotta taste everything. <laughs> At least you can smell it, cause then you know you have a loss of sense of smell. So, still live. That's true. You don't have the COVID. You don't have the COVID, and then you don't you know you're not gonna die. Once mm -hmm. you're Constantly yeah, reminding myself. Do you, do you guys uh, have crazy restrictions at work, or is it pretty chill out there? Um, th yeah, there's restrictions. Like, there's no, you can't really have a, a cell phone. You can't take pictures. Oh, I meant like because of COVID. Like, are they making you wear masks and like staying away from everybody? Like King oh, Cuomo, King Cuomo and all his decrees. Oh God, I, I don't even I don't even think about that much because my life hasn't changed at all. But uh, yeah, we gotta wear masks at the grocery store. That's about it. Um, every yeah. event has been canceled, but I mean, other than that, yeah, yeah, hasn't sure, been, hasn't been that crazy. We've talked about this before. We, uh, I think Evan kind of coined this. You know, restoration dudes are kind of uh, they they usually travel in small packs. So the yeah. social distancing thing is is pretty much perfect. No problems. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you so, see that at the flea market. You see the old guys. Climb down out of the hills. Don't even know there is a virus. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. Somehow they haven't died yet. It's strange. Filling up their uh, trailers that they made out of the back of pickups. Like. <laughs> so Zach, have you have you seen an uptick in people selling stuff? Because when when there was a lot of jobs and shops closing down, I felt like there was uptick in people finally committing to selling things that they didn't want to so I, i've seen a lot of posts a lot of stuff that's priced kind of high but people are in that mode yeah. of i gotta start selling some of this stuff because it's just sitting around have you seen I, that out there uh i don't know if i've noticed more stuff but i've noticed the prices have gotten a lot a lot more like at the flea markets this this year i've noticed like everything's just a little bit more expensive yeah now, do we think that's because people are hurting more or that people are just trying to take advantage of the situation? I, I, I personally think that there are just less opportunities to sell because it used – I mean, you used to be able to find some place every weekend and, like, the, the big counties would have antique fairs, yeah. uh, like, every month. And with all of the stuff that's, that's either state-run or on, on state-provided uh, property and those getting shut down – feel like people have less opportunities to get eyeballs and so they're probably yeah. trying to, to get that last percentage to uh to cover the the loss and the ability to kind of push stuff all the time 
Yeah. The flea markets yeah. here were pushed back this summer, so they didn't. They usually start in April, but they uh, didn't start until uh, I don't know, like June or something like that. And I thought, oh, these guys are going to be loaded up with awesome stuff because you know they haven't been able to sell. But what I didn't even think about is that they haven't been allowed to have like estate auctions and yeah, like auction houses aren't open and yeah. So nobody had the, the end of the very beginning of the supply chain. Yeah, yeah. everything so. There really wasn't that much stuff that I've like. I don't know. This this summer has been kind of dry. Yeah. As far as stuff goes. Do you have a couple good places that you go like that are nearby to you, like uh, like big like um, big yard sales or, or like flea market type deals? Yeah, yeah. I go to there's one called East Avon Flea Market, and it's uh, there's there's probably like between sixty and eighty vendors every every week. Um, and then there's one down the road from that and there's one across the street from that. So it's like, you kind of hit them all in, yeah, yeah. in a morning. Sort of like a routine, like a weekend routine. Oh yeah. Every Sunday I'm up at six o'clock and I head, head down and try to beat all the other old timers there. <laughs> yeah. It's weird being a young man in this in this biz game whatever the hell you want to call it but like yeah i mean this is like this is old man shit let's be oh, honest totally and i For think sure. it kind of works in our advantage sometimes too because you'll you'll see a guy who's who is just like us when yeah. he was our age and he's sometimes i feel like i've gotten deals because he's like i i know what you're doing and it's what i was doing so yeah i've had like that guy who had the his own personal junkyard that I went and hunted around in for an hour and a half. He definitely yeah. gave me deals because he knew that I was going to do something with it. And, or yeah. add it to my own junkyard. I don't know. He probably didn't even care. But I, I think I like if you that. give those guys the the time of day to like talk about the tool as it leaves their uh it leaves their possession, they're more likely to give you a deal. Like I've I've listened to some guys out and they're like, you know what? I know you're going to put this to use for another 50 years. You're going to have it for half of what I listed it. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that 10 minute story of what you use this, you know, vice for or whatever. Like mm -hmm. these guys just want to see these things that they loved and, and used for so long move on. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, that's something we didn't even yeah. get into the vices. That's yeah, something I've say, always been consistent with. <laughs> since since I started, just left, yeah. I was like, you got a serious collection of. Uh... Yeah, that boy, that man, his uh, his his brand new baby. He's uh, he's he's in the in the zone. I get it. Oh yeah, I I can't imagine. I mean, <laughs> I'm I don't have any kids or anything, so it's like I get I have wife time and shop time, and that's all uh -huh. I have to allocate at this point. You know. <laughs> Is your wife supportive of your hobby? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She likes. Oh, that's a lot. great. That's that's um, that's huge. She likes antique stores and stuff like that, so we'll we'll go and do that kind of stuff. Actually, yeah. like two weeks ago was our anniversary, and okay. we went antiquing. So <laughs> along the wow, field. that's awesome. Kyuka Lake, actually, so cool. I think you were telling me you vacationed there, uh, James. Where's that? Kyuka. We oh yeah, Kyuka Lake is is wonderful. We went there this summer. Yeah, we were in uh, Hammondsport. We went all through the. Uh, yeah, flea markets down there. Oh yeah, that's nice. 
Yeah, I, like I, I found the wine chef down there, actually. Nice. That was yeah. another thing I didn't get to ask you. Are you planning on setting up a full line shaft, or are you going to do a direct belt to a motor? I I mean, I have the line shaft now, so I'd like to do full line shaft. That's um, going to be sick, dude. That's going to be so cool. It's Is just, that what you're going to do in your freestanding blacksmith shop, or, or, or something different? Well, I was kind of thinking that, but the shop is, I really only had space to do, it's about 10 feet long. Okay. It's its like 60 square feet. It's not huge. Yeah. But uh, the line shaft is 12 feet. Okay. So I have to, I don't know. that hard to modify it a little bit. Now, I mean, if you, if you can get a support in between each tool then it should be fine. Uh, the only question you got to ask is if you're going to run multiple things at the same time where that shaft would see uh, an increased load. But if, you're, if you've got disengages where you can turn one off and turn one on, then it just comes down to having enough pulleys and enough space to get your belts yeah. in and out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, and the other thing is that I wasn't going to – there's no electricity behind the shop. Mm -hmm. so I wasn't going to have any electricity going to it at all. And I would have to power it right now with the electric motor until I, I've been really getting into hit and miss engines. I was going to say, you <laughs> so, need a hit and miss engine. <laughs> so uh, until that happens, until I find one in a barn that somebody just wants gone, I can't, I can't justify spending 1200 bucks on it. No, dude, here's what you need. Here's what you got to do. You need to get a power wagon and you need a power wagon. <laughs> With a pillow block and a, and a and a pulley on the back that you can drive your whole shop off of. Genius! I got you, dude. We're good. Well, I've been I've actually been looking at an alternative. I've been finding that like farm all cubs are okay, yeah. way cheaper than any hit and miss engine right now. Oh, dude, that'd so, be so. Can you imagine? Hey, honey, I'm gonna go out to the fucking shop and do some work. I gotta fire up the tractor and just <laughs> run everything off of that. That'd be so cool. Well, and the other problem is, is right now we're in a, like a neighborhood, so <laughs> that's not a problem for you. That's a problem for your neighbors. Well, th that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just afraid that they're gonna make it my problem. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. much, so much old sawmill stuff can be run off a tractor. Like, yeah. it's so so it's cool. so useful, uh, universal what they can do. If you can get something to start spinning and take some torque, you can do. You can solve the world's pronger 100%. Yeah. there was a there was a guy i was in uh oh where was it my wife's sister just moved outside of philadelphia god i oh, forget wow. the she she would they were in um east falls and they moved way out in the suburbs like an hour out but there was a guy who had an antique shop out there that he had two farm malls and he had a uh um a GMC 3500, completely okay. restored, Nin uh, 1935, I think it was. Sure. He had the farm, those two farm malls in there. He was in his 80s, and he loved showing me that stuff. And that's kind of what got me yeah. thinking. I was like, I'm going to start looking at that. And they're in every auction around here because, I mean, out, 10 minutes outside of Rochester, you're in farm country. There's sure, easy. Tractors everywhere. It's like, I bet we, everywhere. I bet I could use that to run. But my neighbors see me pulling a tractor into their backyard. They're going to... Fuck them. They don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're missing. <laughs> the Restoration Podcast After Show. The Restoration Podcast After Show. 
the Restoration Podcast After Show. Stanley reposted one of my photos yesterday. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Did they contact yeah. you first, or did they just like, do it? Like months ago. Okay, yeah. And I completely forgot about it. And they yeah. asked if I, they could use it. It was just the fixed blade, like the Stanley 299s. And I completely forgot. And then yesterday they posted it up. It was pretty cool. I got like a little influx of followers, and that's nice. always nice. always feels good. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like a lot of those places have content lined up like a month out. Probably every other place that big. Yeah. Dave gets new followers all the time, but he like he says something cool and he gets a bunch of followers, and then he says something dumb and they all leave. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, we thought you were smart because you have tools and you have a mustache. You're actually retarded. And I'm like... <laughs> they, they see they see the Power Wagon post and like, hmm, follow. And then they see this guy walking around with stuff hanging from a ceiling and Crocs doing <laughs> oxyacetylene welding. And they're like, unfollow. <laughs> no, see, they're, they're getting out. It's one of those, those, those uh, vicarious things where it's like, he's still alive. We got to keep watching. He's still alive. We got to keep watching. <laughs> it's to survive. I burned the fuck out of my hand yesterday, fucking that oxyacetylene tool to make some real heat. I I had to heat up my brake pedal, because when I, when I, so this is another dumb fucking thing. When I pulled the cab (laughs) off of the truck, the brake pedal got hooked on the floor of the cab, and I didn't notice it, so I was like, I'll just crank harder on this fucking, on this chain (laughs) pole. And it just, literally, the the brake pedal's like this, and it just went, so I I just welded, I heated it right here and bend it back into place. Well, I really, really want to put this back on the truck um, so I can play with it. So I just want to wait until it cools down, and I'll just put on these really thin leather gloves and put it back on. So, I mean, within five minutes, I burned the fuck out of my hand. Like, uh-huh. I, like I didn't think I was going to somehow. Yeah. When I went to that um, that blacksmithing event yesterday, they uh, Chris was there, Mount Phillips Metalworks, yeah. yes. and he... Um, he was talking to me and he was saying that last year when he was, he was at the same thing. He was using the big, their big hammer. I, I've never heard of the name of this hammer. I can't remember what it is right now, but it's 800 pound, the, the falling weight on it. Wow. And uh, one of those air powered ones. Yeah. He, it has a massive airline run into it. Chambersburg, it, it, right? No, no, it's a different, it's not Chambersburg. Oh. Um, but it's huge. It's like 11 feet tall. And this thing, oh, you know, requires massive amounts of air, but the, his compressor, wasn't running at that time so he couldn't get that one going but chris was telling me that last year he had ran that and he was wearing jeans and the stuff they were working on got was was so hot that it like turned his jeans into like jelly and was starting to like <laughs> melt melt his jeans <laughs> i was like and wow shorts yeah yeah pretty much it's not a party until your jeans start melting and yeah. stuff <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember in trade school, a kid lit his jeans on fire, and he didn't even notice until someone oh, started no. tackling him. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. One of the guys I, I work with. Oh, sorry, guys. Oh no, guys just gonna... ah, go. Nah. One of the guys I work with um, uh, was cutting a roll-up door at a fire, and he apparently he's an idiot, also like me, and he had <laughs> some difficult time with the saw. So instead of like doing like a flood, like getting it started. He had a difficult time starting it. So instead of doing like a flooded start, you know, where you like throttles all the way on full airflow and just crank until it coughs all of its fucking fuel out. 
he like checked inside the fuel cap and like did all kinds of dumb analyses that would not really i mean i guess it was fine but anyway he didn't secure the cap back on all the way and he's cutting up overhead like this and the fuel is just dumping all over. Oh, he's cutting a steel door and there's a shower of sparks everywhere well yeah he burned the fucking balls off his hand he has like his whole hand is like black in this one spot he didn't have to get any skin grafts but it was like just completely gone He's fucking retarded. And apparently, he walked up. It's a great story. He walks up to my fire chief, and he's like, "It's just like his hand just like in flames." He's like, "Uh, like, like chief, like I don't know what to do." What do I, what do, I do? <laughs> Some dude just like speared him, <laughs> tackled him, and held him down, and like they smothered him out. But <laughs> I don't know what to do, chief. The irony of that is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. The fun fire, fire, fire. fire, fire, fire is bad. <laughs>